This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Well, good morning, New Song Church. How are you doing this morning? Are you awake? Yeah, that, 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 that time change, man, it'll sneak up on you, won't it? sneak up on you. My alarm went off this morning. I was like, this can't be right. This can't be right. I didn't know what was happening. But anyway, we're glad that you're here. Hope that your soul is awake and ready to receive from what God is doing. So much good stuff is happening here. I'm so grateful that we've got people on the mission field. Aren't you, aren't you glad that you're a part of a church that like is, is doing something, impacting the world, like ministering, not just here, but ministering across America and, and other parts of the world. So exciting. And uh, we've got another ministry that we have here called Embrace Grace that's doing something really cool. Sarah, would you talk about that a little bit? Yes. If you don't know what Embrace Grace is, it is a ministry uh, here at New Song Church. They actually have locations, branches all over the country um, or chapters all over the country, but it's for um, single women who are going through unexpected pregnancies. And um, we do ads on Facebook and different things like that. Are you single and need support? And I'm telling you, um, this semester has been so powerful. They've all been so good. In fact, this morning, I saw one of our girls from last semester here at church this morning. Um, Yes, so exciting. Um, But we have five women this semester um, who 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 have chosen life. And all of them were tempted to abort their babies at some point. All of them faced that very real temptation. They have people in their ears saying it would be easier and like you don't you like that you don't you don't need to deal with this. You don't know how to deal with this. You're not equipped to deal with this. Um, and they have chosen life. And so we're so excited about what God is doing this semester. We've had girls who have never been in church and never read their Bible um, say yes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior and and following yeah. yeah. New creations in Christ, falling in love with God's word. He's doing so much. Wednesday nights are just one of my favorite nights of the week um, during Embrace Grace. Um, But I want to invite you to be a part of the baby shower. So um, we have a shower at the end of the semester, and we want to give these women who have chosen life just a great start to baby's first year of life, okay? So um, we have a registry. You can scan the QR code. Um, If you have the New Song app at the top of the registry or the top of the app, there's a thing that says Embrace Grace. Click on that. It'll take you right to the registry. You can add an item to the cart. We have items ranging from $4.99 to $75. Thank God last night somebody knocked out all three strollers um, that we needed. Yeah, so thank you for your love and support. So you just add it to your cart. Send it to um, the gift registry address, and we will take it from there. We will wrap it all up and have it at the baby shower in two weeks. So um, if you are pro-life, if you believe that that babies should not be aborted, we want you to help and put your money where your mouth is, okay? So help us out, and let's love these mamas well. Yes, thank you, Sarah. If you got your Bible, go to John chapter 5 with me this morning. John chapter five, it really is so neat. Every week Sarah comes home after Embrace Grace and she's telling me stories and it really is remarkable what God's doing in the lives of these women. She was telling me this week that one of them had their first baby and they had a baby shower and nobody came. Like that's the kind of stuff they're dealing with. It's not like, you know, in, in our life where someone gets pregnant and they're married and we celebrate and we're so excited. A lot of them are met with like people that are saying, great, here we go again. 
And so we as a church get to be, we get to show them love and get to really uh, wrap our arms around them and celebrate them and celebrate life. And, and uh, it's really a really cool thing. So encourage you to be a part of that with us. Uh, we are in week four of our series, Seven Signs. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at these miracles that Jesus did and kind of breaking them down out of the book of John. But beyond just the miracle itself, what we're looking at is what the miracle points us to. If you were here in week one of this series, Pastor Tondra, I talked about how a sign, what a sign does is a sign points us to something else. A sign, the purpose of a sign is not the sign itself, it's to point us or to give us direction towards something else. And that's what these miracles do. There's direction that we're able to gain from these miracles that point us to greater truths about the heart of God, about what it takes to partner with Jesus for some of the miracles that he wants to do in our life. And uh, so today I want to talk to you out of John chapter five and spoiler alert. And just so you know, it's like this every week, like there's people, they have a problem and they're going to get help. Okay. So this guy today, he needs healing. He's going to get healed. All right. So spoiler alert, sorry to break it to you, but I want you to know that going in because I want to look beyond the miracle to the question that Jesus asks because the question is big for every one of us, and to the action that the man does in partnership with what Jesus invites him to do. All right, so John chapter five, starting in verse one, I'm gonna read through verse nine, and then we'll begin to break this down. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, John chapter one, or five, verse one. After this, there were a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. Somebody say Bethesda. Bethesda. Say it like you mean it, Bethesda, Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids or in other words, sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And they waited for the moving of the water. What's that? Well, I'll tell you here in a minute. One man was there who had been, uh, one man was, was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? If you've got a paper Bible with you, I want you to underline that. I want you to highlight that. If you've got your Being Transformed journal, I want you to write that down at the top of your, your notes for today. Do you want to be healed? Verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up. Somebody say, Get up. Get up. He says, Take up your bed. And walk. And at once, at once, the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. The question before us this morning is this question that Jesus asks this man Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Of that, that thing in your life, that moment in your life, that area in your life that you keep coming back to, maybe you've got something in your life that your, your life seems to be tethered to a moment, to, a, to something that was said, something that was done, and you keep coming back to it. The question before us this morning is, do you want to be healed? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Let's pray. Lord, we, we love you and we invite you to be with us here today. I ask that you would speak to every person in this room. Lord, I know that there are people in this room that need healing. There are people in this room who, are, who, who have experienced, had experiences in their life that have caused them to feel like they can't move on with their life. 
that there's something that they keep coming back to. But Lord, we believe that you are, you are one who wants to bring freedom. That's who you are. You came to set the captives free. And so Lord, I just pray that you would minister your healing power to every person in this room today, that you would meet them where they are and help them to move from where they are to where you want them to be. And that is a place of healing, that is a place of freedom, that is a place of restoration. So we thank you for that today. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you want to be healed? Look back at verse two, John 5, 2. He says, now therefore, there, uh, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. So there, there's this pool that's in Bethesda. And, it, and at one point, this pool was beautiful. At one point, you know, it speaks to these colonnades. It had these colonnades and it had these mosaics on the wall. And it was a very well thought out, well planned, beautiful place when it was designed. Uh, and it was a place that was designed to be a gathering place for the rich and affluent and, and the wealthy, uh, those that are highly educated, it was supposed to be a place for them to go and to hang out and to kind of spend some time together at this pool. It's kind of like a country club in Jerusalem is what it was kind of originally designed to be. But something, by the time we find ourselves here in John chapter five, something has radically changed about this place. And it has fallen into a state of of disrepair. Well, why has that happened? Well, because the, the water has gone bad. Now, it's, it's different than the world we live in today. You know, if we have a pool today, you most likely have some pumps and, and you may have like a guy that comes out and puts some chemicals in your pool and they, they keep that pool flowing and they keep that pool fresh. But in Bible times, they, they didn't have that stuff. So if you had to, if you wanted to have like a pool or a, or a body of water that you were like enjoying and swimming in, uh, there had to be something that was sourcing that, like naturally sourcing that with fresh water. And so this pool in Bethesda at one point had a, a spring that it was connected to, and that spring was constantly keeping a fresh flow of water in it. And so it was this beautiful place. But at some point, the spring dried up. And so now the, the rich and affluent and wealthy, all of those people have abandoned it. And this place has begun to fall apart and it's in this state of, of chaos. And, and when they abandon it, all of these sick people begin to start moving in. So it says this in, in verse three, it says, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And it says lay a multitude. That phrase means that there were so many sick people there, it was like they were piled one on top of another like sardines in a can, right? Like just piled into the point that if you were to go to this pool at this time, the place is run down, it's falling apart. What once was beautiful is now run down and ugly and gross and the water is gross because the spring has dried up and it's, it's in Israel. So it's hot, stagnant, nasty water. And the only people there are sick people. And there's so many sick people there that if you're trying to walk around this pool, you're gonna have a hard time finding your footing because they're just piled into this place. Why are all these sick people there? Well, look at verse three. It says, they waited for the moving of the waters. Now, I don't know if you noticed this earlier when we were reading all of this text. Uh, you may, if you have a physical Bible or you're reading in your Bible app, depending on what translation you're reading from, you'll notice that verse four is missing from most translations. If you're reading from like NIV, NLT, ESV, you, you might see it uh, as a footnote, verse four, but in most translations, it's not there. Now, the reason it's not there is because they had discovered some earlier manuscripts that it wasn't in, but, but verse four gives us some context to why the people 
we're waiting for this stirring of the water. And it also gives you some context for why some translations leave it out. I'll read it to you. Verse 4, John chapter 5, verse 4 out of NIV says, From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. Now that's kind of wild, right? Like that's not a normal everyday occurrence. Uh, it says the first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. So they've since kind of discovered what was going on at this time, why they thought this. King Herod uh, had a palace in, in Jerusalem at this time that was up the hill that was connected. It had this water system that was very intricate, very advanced for the time, and it was connected to some of the other water sources in Jerusalem. And so there were things about this water source that he had in his palace that, that would affect other water sources. And so from time to time, he would flush his system. He would kind of open up his system. And when he would open up his system, it would affect other bodies of water in the city of Jerusalem, one of which was this pool of Bethesda. So he would open up his water system. And in doing so, it would cause this pool of Bethesda to begin to, to swirl. It would begin to... To spin. Now, the people that are sick that are hanging out by this pool, like they understand that it's, it's dried up and it's not like there's a bubbling up taking place or like wind is affecting it. Like all of a sudden, this, this pool of water begins to start to spin around and swirl. And so the people who are very, uh, very spiritually minded, very superstitious, they would see this and they would think, well, this must be like something spiritual is taking place. This must be like an angel is stirring this water. And whoever can get into this water first is going to be healed. It wasn't true, but it's what they believed. So again, imagine this scene. You've got all of these people, all these sick people in this place that's broken down. You have people that kind of look like the very place that they're hanging out in. Their life is falling apart. Their life is in disrepair. And they're sitting there and they're begging because that's how they, they, they survive. But they're also watching this pool because if that water moves, man, you want to be the first one in because you may walk away. You may dance away healed if you can just get into that water fast enough. So you got these people sitting there begging, but they got one eye on the pool because if that water moves, man, it's Black Friday. Like we're all going to, we're going to throw elbows. We're getting into that pool. And I imagine that there's probably a lot of false alarms throughout different days, you know, like all of a sudden you hear somebody hit the water and everybody's piling in. But, but here's what I want you to see. Like there was a bunch of people waiting for a miracle, a bunch of people living in pain, living in hurt, needing a miracle. And this is the scene that Jesus shows up in verse five. It says, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, I think sometimes we read the Bible and we read stuff like this. We read statements like this and it's kind of easy to just kind of blow past that number. And not really put into terms like 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years is a long time to be suffering with a sickness. 38 years. 38 years ago, people, was 1985. Anybody in here around in 1985? Few of us, yeah, few of you. 1985. Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States. You guys remember him? Number one song in America, We Are the World by Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson <laughs> and the all-star cast. This is 1985, people. There you go. The number one movie in America at this time, Back to the Future, came out. Cell phones looked like this. 
Sarah and I looked like this. <laughs> Actually, we were talking about it last night and Sarah corrected me. At this time in March, Sarah looked like a bump in her mom's tummy. She wasn't born. She was born in April. So that's not really true, but the slides were already done. So anyways, <laughs> my point is this 38 years ago, like that's, that's a long time. That's a long time to be suffering with the sickness. And, and it wasn't always this way. We know this because in verse 14, after this guy is healed, he has another encounter with Jesus. And Jesus, the Son of God, who is the Word made flesh, who doesn't misspeak, says this. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. And that word well means you have been restored to health. In other words, at one point you were healthy, then you got sick, and now you're restored back to health. The NIV says it like this, see, you are well again. So this guy, at one point, he was healthy. At one point, like the pool, things were good. Things were, were beautiful in his life, but something happened. Something happened in his past. 38 years ago, something happened, and the something that happened in his past is affecting his present, and it's affecting his future. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Our past affects our present, and therefore affects our future. You know, we all have a past. Every one of us in here, we have a past. And, and most likely in your past, you have a mixture of both good and bad. You have moments in your life where there were good things that happened and those good things were able to propel you forward in life. But chances are you, you've had some bad moments in your past. And maybe for some of you, you had some really painful, hurtful, traumatizing moments that you seem to kind of feel like you're tethered to in your life. As I was thinking about this this week, uh, God reminded me of when I was in high school, um, our youth ministry would do these big events where we would invite kids from all over the city to come to our church and, and, and we'd present the gospel, but we'd have all these fun activities for them to do. And, and we'd fill up this alleyway between our church and this other office complex with all of these big inflatable games. And, uh, and one time they had this thing called a bungee run. I brought a picture of it. This is what a bungee run looks like. So bungee run, here's how it works, okay? It's you and your buddy, you and your friend, and you get in one of those lanes there, and you've got this big Velcro belt that's tied around your waist, and attached to it is a bungee cord. And you've got a bean bag, and the object of the game is you run as fast as you can, as far as you can down the lane, you take the bean bag and you stick it down on there and you try to get it further than your friend got their bean bag. And once you stick it down and your momentum stops, the bungee cord now jerks you back to the beginning, right? And I believe God reminded me of that this week because that's where some of you, that's how some of you are living. Like you, you feel like you're kind of moving ahead in life and things are going good and you're kind of pressing on, but, but then the bungee cord of that, that thing jerks you right back to where you were, jerks you right back to the emotions of that moment, to the pain of that experience, to the, to the hurt of those words that were spoken. You're brought right back to that place. And it, it seems like no matter how hard you try, how, how hard you run, you just seem to keep getting jerked right back into that situation. And I don't know what that situation may be for you. I don't know if maybe it was a dad who never said he loved you. I don't know if it was a divorce that you experienced as a child that separated and broke apart your family. And, and maybe one of your parents you felt like didn't care about you. Maybe, maybe they even went on to, to start like another family and you kind of got left behind. 
Maybe it was an addiction that someone in your family was suffering with that made you feel like they cared more about themselves and their addiction, their drug, their thing than they did you. I don't, I don't know what it could be, but, but there was a moment and it hurt and it, and it left a mark. And it seems like no matter how hard you try, something about that moment keeps yanking you back into it. And maybe it wasn't like a circumstance. Maybe it wasn't even something that someone else did. Maybe for you, it was something that you did. Maybe it was a mistake that you made that you seem to have a hard time getting over. You seem to have a hard time forgiving yourself. It's a self-inflicted wound. Uh, a few years, well, not a few years ago, I was in fourth grade, so it was a while ago. <laughs> um, I had, a, I had a friend over, and my sister had a friend over. And uh, my sister, I have a sister who's four years older than me. And I, you know, so I'm in fourth grade, she's in eighth grade, and I, I kind of think she's cool, but I would never tell her that. But I wanted to impress her, and she's got a friend over, and I kind of think her friend is cute. And I'm, you know, so I've got my friend over, and I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to scare him. And so between my room and her room, our rooms were upstairs, there was a covered patio with, a, with a, like a roof on it on the outside of the house. And I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to crawl out the window across the covered patio, and I'm going to bang on their window and scare them. Genius idea, right? <laughs> going to be well worth it, I'm sure. Well, in the process of this, I, I, you, you probably guessed it, I slipped and I fell 14 feet down to the, the brick patio beneath on my back. When I came to, uh, my mom and dad were both there and I, I, I've been knocked out, like my breath has been knocked out so I can't breathe. I'm trying to catch my breath. I'm kind of realizing what has happened. I go inside the house a little bit later. We discover that there's urine in my blood. We have to go to the emergency room, spend hours at the emergency room. For the next couple days, I have to be laid up in bed. And I remember throughout this process thinking, man, I wish I wouldn't have crawled out on the roof. <laughs> Self-inflicted wound, right? And it sounds kind of funny. And yet for some of you like, that's kind of what's happened. You, you've done something, you did something. There was a moment where something happened and, and it still hurts and you can't seem to move past that thing. I, I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know what your, your issue is, but I know this, that any one of us can become paralyzed by our hurt. And we can find ourselves stuck in a moment that we can't get out of. But, but I believe that Jesus wants to set you free. And wants to help you to, to cut that, that cord that has you tethered to that moment so you can move ahead into freedom. Jesus says in verse 6, where it says this, it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, here it is, do you want to be healed? Now, on the surface, that sounds like a really like straightforward kind of question, right? Seems like not too complex, like... You know, and it seems like the answer should be pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And yet, as I was thinking about this week, really on the other side of a yes to do you want to be healed for this guy is radical life change. Like realize this guy has built his life around the fact that he's sick. He thinks like a sick person. 
He lives with the sick people. All of his friends are sick people. His occupation, begging, is based on being a sick person. Everything about his life is built around this, this moment where he now finds himself, where something happened and now it's affecting his present. Like everything is built around his sickness. So for him to say, yes, I want to be healed means radical life change is going to take place. It's going to have to take place. Like if he's healed, guess what? He can't beg anymore. He's going to have to go get a job. He's going to have to go work. He may have to start, you know, on the, the low place in the totem pole kind of deal and, and work his way up. He may have to learn a trade. He may have to get education. If he's sick, it means he's going to have to leave the pool. The place he's probably gotten pretty comfortable living in, he's going to have to walk away from that. He's probably going to have to walk away from some of the relationships he has because he can't live at the pool and be surrounded by all the sick people and move ahead into the life that Jesus has now made available to him. It doesn't mean he can't be friends with some of the sick people and come back from time to time, but he can't live there anymore. He has to, he has to move into a radical new way of living if he's truly going to step into the healing that Jesus is inviting him into. And I hope you know today, on the other side of a yes to Jesus is radical life change. Like, I hope you know, when you say yes to Jesus, it means there's things about your life that should radically change. Your thinking should change. Your relationship should change. The way you, you live, where you live from, you can't be tethered and attached to the sick place and continue to move ahead in the life Jesus calls you to. Radical life change has to take place if you're going to move ahead. But, but the truth is, the reality is for a lot of people, we say we want to be healed, but we don't really want to participate in the change that's necessary to partner with God to receive the healing. C.S. Lewis says it like this, a familiar captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. In other words, sometimes I think we find it easier to live in our unfamiliar with, with our familiar problem than to move ahead and, and experience the change that's necessary for healing. Because what do we do? When we're sick, we learn how to cope. And we, we develop coping mechanisms. And we get comfortable with our coping mechanisms. And they become our, kind of our preferred way of living. To, to live out our life from that place of anger, from that place of depression, from that place of hurt, from that place of being a victim. And listen, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm not trying to downplay the hurt that you may have experienced in your life. But at the same time, it's important that you understand you can't continue to live there and move ahead in the freedom that Jesus has for you. I'm not being mean to you. I'm trying to help you. You can't stay a victim and live like a victim and have a victim's mentality and move ahead into freedom. You're gonna have to choose to move based on what God's saying and trust him and what he can do. But that's where this guy is. We, we know that because look at what he says in verse seven. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up and, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Notice, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And nowhere in his answer does he say, yes, I would like to be healed. He, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, well, yeah, I, I want to be healed, but you know, I got some stuff to do. He just says, here's my problem. He just starts giving excuses as to why he can't be healed. And what's his excuse? I have no one to put me into the pool. In essence, here's what he's saying. It's their fault. I, 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 my problem is they're not helping me the way I want them to help me. And can we be real for a minute? This is like such a plaguing problem in the world that we live in today. 
We want to blame everybody else for our issues. Well, I, I would, but, but you know, they never said they were sorry. I would, but you know, they, they never said that they loved me. I would be, I would, but, but, but they weren't there for me the way I wanted them to be there. I would change if they would change first. I would change if, if he would change, if she would change, then I'd change. But I can't change because I have no one to help me. I have no man to help me. Listen, New Song Church, hear me. You have a man to help you. His name is Jesus. And he's not just a man, he's the man. And he wants to help you. And if you'll take your focus off of your problem and everybody else's ability to help you and put your focus on the healer and the helper who really can help you and set your attention on him and invite him into it and begin to obey what he's telling you to do, you can walk away healed. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus wants to help you. The Bible says this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus talking. He says, come to me all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to help you with that burden, that thing, that heavy thing that you're trying to carry that you shouldn't be carrying anyways. He wants to help you with it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to help you. Psalm 46, verse one says, God is our shelter. It's talking about who God is, the heart of God. He's our shelter and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Another translation says, he's a very present help in the time of trouble. God wants to help you. But sometimes we get so focused on what we don't have in some other person that we don't really focus on what we have in Jesus a savior, a redeemer, a resurrector who offers you a hand and says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? You know, I think sometimes we, we don't recognize that in order for miracles to take place, we play a part in it very often. Like there's some effort that needs to be, you know, done in order for us to experience some of the healing that we want to have. And I run into people all the time and they say they want change, but when you really start talking about what change is going to take, they don't want it. Pastor Josh, I need help. My finances are a mess. Our house is about to be taken away. I'm, I'm about to lose my apartment. We need help. We can't pay our bills. I'll say, okay, we, we'd love to help you. Here's what we need you to do. We need you to bring us your records, your financial records, so that we can, we can help you. But we're not just going to stroke a check for you. We want to see what's going on so that we can help you move ahead. We want to be good stewards. We want to help you steward what God's given you. So we, we look at their records and they come back and we'll say, okay, here's where it starts. And this may sound crazy, but here's where you got to start. You may be in debt. You may be struggling, but you got to start by being obedient to God. And his word says you need to be a tither. You can't rob from God and expect God to bless you. So we got to start by being honest. That's what the Bible says. You got to give to God first, take care of him first. And then beyond that, we're, we're looking here, man, you're, you're eating out a lot. Like there's a lot of bills for, you know, going out to eat all the time. And we, you need to cut that way down. You're spending way too much money eating out all the time. And man, you got some credit card debt and we need to, we need to be aggressive with this credit card debt. You probably need to cut up those credit cards and we'll, we'll talk to people and they'll be like, whoa, 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 Pastor Josh, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> like, you know, I want to, I want to be free here, but I don't know about that whole tithing thing. That seems like that's old stuff, you know? And you know, eating at home all the time. Like I'm a foodie. I, I gotta go, I gotta eat some stuff I can take pictures of. Like I, this is, I ain't gonna work at home with my PBJ and my mac and cheese. Like I gotta get out. 
and my credit cards. Like, what if something happens? And I, you know, I got to have my credit cards in case there's an emergency. And I look at these people and I say, do you want to be healed? Like, do you want to move ahead? Because if you really want change, you're going to have to be a part of the change. Like, you can't just go, God, I just need you to send me $100,000. If you just send me $100,000, God ain't going to just give you $100,000. Because he knows if he gave you $100,000, you just find yourself right back in the same problem you're in. There's change that needs to take place. Pastor Josh, I'm hurting. I had this moment in my life, this person, they hurt me. They did me dirty. They did me wrong. And And I need help. And I hear him, I'm like, yes, you know what? They did do you wrong. What they did was wrong. And you need to forgive them. And you need, to, you need to go to the Lord and you need to repent for having lived in a place of unforgiveness, harboring bitterness against them. Whoa, whoa did you hear me? Did you hear what they did? They hurt me. And they've never asked for forgiveness. And it doesn't seem fair that I give them, just let them off the hook for what they did. Do you want to be healed? Pastor Josh, I I need help. I'm struggling. I've heard your testimony of how God helped you and set you free, and I'm struggling. I'm I'm addicted to porn, and I keep looking at porn on my cell phone, and I I need help. I need to stop this. Okay, well, there's there's a lot. It's going to take a lot, but here's where we're going to start. Give me your phone. We're going to turn that smartphone into a dumb phone. We're going to take everything off of it where you can't access this stuff. What about this? Let's go to Best Buy. Let's get you a flip phone. Let's go back in time about 12 years so that that's not not hurting you anymore. Well, Pastor Josh, let's not get crazy here now. I mean, my phone, that's like, this device is how I connect with the world. It's how I connect with my friends. It's how I connect with life. No, it's how you're connecting with sin and death. Do you want to be healed? You see what I'm getting at? Like we say we want the change, but we're not really willing to do what it's going to take to experience the change. We don't want to make the decision. So much of us, so many times we'd rather stay in our comfortable prison of excuses, our comfortable prison of this is why I'm the way that I am. And I kind of like living here. We got to be willing to make the changes necessary. Last year, at this very time, I was dealing with some serious back pain. Uh, If you were here, you remember I I couldn't preach for three weeks. And I had been kind of struggling with back pain for years, and I was younger. I rode a lot of horses, and then in my late teens, early 20s, I lifted weights in very dumb ways, and then I, you know, fell off the house, and (laughs) so (laughs) hurt my back. And I remember the first time I was, I was doing these things called uh, lawnmower pulls, those lawnmower lat rows. I was doing those, and my back grabbed. And from that moment on, it seems like about every couple years, my back would, would seize up on me and would get hurt. And it would hurt for a couple days, and then it would get better. Uh, but as time went on and I got older, it seems like it was becoming more and more frequent. Like, it got to where every year I was getting, my back would hurt. And then a couple of times a year. And, and my dad, who had, had back problems in his, in his 30s, came to me. He's like, hey, you need to start doing these stretches and these exercises that I do. And I'd, you know what, dad, you're right. I need to do that. And he'd leave and I'd never do them. <laughs> never. And so last year, um, I wasn't like doing something cool like lifting weights. I was getting out of bed. <laughs> and my... And my back seized up on me. And I, I went and discovered, had an MRI. I had a herniated disc. 
in my lower back. It was sending this shooting pain through my leg. It was miserable. And I thought, well, maybe in a couple days it'll be better. In a couple days it wasn't any better. They're telling me I have to have back surgery. They're telling me it could be a long recovery. I remember laying in bed one night and I could not get comfortable. I, I mean, no matter what I did, my back, my stomach, my legs up, my legs down on my side, whatever, I was just in agonizing pain. And if you've ever experienced agonizing pain all night, it'll get you to thinking. And it got me to thinking and it got me to praying. And I remember praying and I remember feeling like God spoke to me. He said, I'm going to heal your back, but I'm going to heal your back in partnership with some stuff I need you to do. You need to start doing what your dad said to do. Start doing your stretches. And when you do your part, I can do my part. And so as soon as I could, I started doing these stretches. I hit the ground and every day do these stretches and they're weird stretches, but I do them every day. And over time I got better and better. And uh, I've had, I've been nine months without any back pain whatsoever. Yeah. But, but here's, here's what I want you to see. It wasn't just a moment where a miraculous thing happened. I believe God healed me, but he healed me in partnership with me doing what I knew I needed to do. There was change I had to bring into my life that empowered God to move me beyond. I didn't have to have back surgery. God, God did something miraculous, but I, I had a part to play in that. You know, it's interesting because they say, like statistically, they say that you can go into the doctor and the doctor can tell you, like threaten you within an inch of your life. Like if you don't stop eating pizza, you're gonna die. And people will walk out and go buy a large pizza. <laughs> And, and the sad thing is, listen, the sad thing is healing is possible. Like, I hope you know that healing is possible. Like when Jesus looks at this guy and says, do you want to be healed? That wasn't a trick question. It wasn't like the guy was going to go, yes, I want to be healed. And Jesus was like, well, good luck with that. No, <laughs> he wanted to help this guy. He wanted to heal this guy, but this guy had a part to play in it. And, and you need to recognize there's going to be some effort on your part. And you experiencing the fullness of the healing God wants to bring it's going to take some work on your end. But listen, it's going to take work either way. I hope you know. I, I read this one time. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your heart. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your heart. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your heart. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard, but we can choose our hard pick wisely. Do you want to be healed? You get to choose. So Jesus comes upon this guy and he, he has his excuses, but Jesus can see he really does want to be healed. I mean, he's at the pool. He's there. He's there. He's got, he has a level, a measure of faith because he's there. He's believing there's a possibility I could be healed. I want that. He obviously wants it. And so Jesus sees that and look at what Jesus says. Verse eight, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. If you're taking notes, write this down. Freedom begins with a willingness to change. This guy had to be willing to change. He had to be willing to do something he had never done before in order to experience the healing of God. And I want you to know, I got good news for you today. The power of God is still available. The same Jesus that healed this guy 
is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to heal you and he wants to help you. But one of the ways he does that is through partnership. He wants to partner with you. Notice what Jesus says for him to do in order to receive his healing. There's a partnership. He says, get up, take up your bed or pick up your mat and walk. He says, get up. It's interesting. That word get up, when he says get up, it's the word rise, which is also where we get the word resurrection. So get this. Jesus says to this guy, hey, there's a resurrection coming. He invites him to resurrection. He's inviting him. What's resurrection? It's being pulled out of death and into life. He's saying, hey, get up. Then he says what? He says, pick up your mat or take up your mat. Think about that. What is this mat? This mat has been the thing that this guy's life has been confined to. This mat has been the boundary marker by which this guy has been living his life every day. And what does Jesus say? I want you to pick up the very thing that you've been confined to and I want you to carry it. And people are gonna see it and they're gonna go, what's up with the mat? And you're gonna go, you know what? I used to be connected to this thing and I couldn't move past this thing. And this thing, I was bound to this thing, but Jesus set me free. And the same Jesus that set me free can, be, can set you free. He wants, you to, he wants to do something in your life that becomes a testimony. Not that you look back and say, this is why I'm the way I am. This is why I'm so broken. But you can say, no, this is why I'm the way I am. This is why I'm so free because Jesus showed up in my life and he set me free. And I used to be bound to this thing, but I ain't bound to this thing anymore. This thing doesn't define my life anymore. My life is defined by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, who said, get up and walk. Take up your mat and walk. What's the third thing? He says, get up take up your mat, walk, walk out of this old life and into a new one. Get out of this place, this death, step into resurrection life, step into a new way of living. And get this, this is so big. He wasn't healed until he began to move based on the word of Jesus. It was when he took, who, who is Jesus? He's the word made flesh. Jesus is the Bible, right? He took the word and he moved based on the word. And it was in the movement based on the word that he experienced the healing of God. And, and so, you know, that's how it works in the ministry of Jesus over and over again. In fact, the healing is defined here as this Greek word therapio. That's the kind of healing this guy experienced. And it's the, the, reason, it's the, the, the way that healing is defined in most of the ministry of Jesus in the gospels. Therapia is this. It's a healing touch that comes with a corresponding action. In other words, Jesus doesn't just release the power to heal. He requires the recipient to do something to participate with the power. And when the corresponding action is done, it demonstrates faith. And it's from that place that the healing can take root. So, so think about this in the Bible. We see this over and over again. You got the man with the withered hand. What does Jesus say? Stretch out your hand. When he stretches out his hand, that's when he's healed. He says to the man lower down in the roof, he says, take up your mat and walk. When he takes up his mat, he's healed. He says to the 10 lepers, he says, go show yourself to the priest. When are they healed? As they go to show themselves to the priest. There's a word that we get from the Lord. There's a word that comes from the word and we put our faith in the word and we move based on the word. We don't move based on what we feel. We don't move based on what everyone else is saying. We don't move based on what the world says. We move based on the word. And as we move based on the word with faith in the word, that's when we experience the healing power of God. There's healing power available, but you have to be willing to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith without works is dead. So it's not just saying, oh, I believe in Jesus and I believe he can do a miracle. It's saying, I believe enough that I'm gonna move based on what he said to do. 
I'm gonna trust him enough that I'm gonna, I'm gonna take steps that show, that prove in faith that I believe what he's telling me to do. Healing is possible, but it requires partnership. Do you want to be healed? Three signs that I see in this story that are important for you to understand. Number one is this, God wants us to be free. I hope you know God wants you to be free. That thing that your life has been tethered to, that thing that keep, you keep coming back to, that hurt, that pain, that moment, that whatever it was that you keep coming back to, God wants you to be free. It is for freedom that Christ Jesus has set us free. Jesus came to set at liberty those who are bruised. The ministry of Jesus is all about bringing freedom. He wants you to be free. You gotta believe that first of all. Number two, freedom begins with a willingness to change. You have to be willing to recognize I gotta do some stuff. It's not about them. It's, it, it, uh, this happened and I'm willing to change what needs to change in me. I'm willing to move based on the word, to move out of death and into life. I'm, I'm willing to move. And number three, I love this, is that Jesus comes to us. Did you notice that? That Jesus came to this guy. Jesus saw him. And that's the gospel, man. That's what's different from other religions. Other religions are all about us trying to get our way to God. Jesus came to us. And so here's this guy waiting on the movement of the water, waiting on something from this world that's not really real, waiting on water to do something it can't do, waiting on the ways of the world and it can't do it. And what happens? Living water shows up and is poured out upon him and he experiences freedom. I don't know where you find yourself today, there's healing available to you. Do you want to be healed? As I close, look back at one last thing with me. Verse three, John chapter five, verse three. In these lay a multitude of invalids. So this is talking about all of the sick people that were there. All of these different people had all these different problems, all these sick people. What does it categorize them as? Blind, lame, and paralyzed. Is it possible that in these three categories exists all of the human experiences of hurt that we could be living from. Okay, so let me, let me break this down for you. Maybe you're blind. Blind, what does it mean you can't see? Or maybe you're, maybe you're lame, what does lame mean? It means you got the limbs, but they're, they're painful. Or, or, or maybe you're paralyzed, what does that mean? It means you got the limbs, but you're numb. So maybe, maybe you're blind today. You find yourself in a place where you're like, this thing happened to me and it hurts so bad. That moment is so painful. I don't even know why I'm here. I have no vision for my life. I can't see anything past this moment. I am, I am bound to this moment and I have no vision. What, what's the point of me when this happened? Maybe that's you today. Or maybe you are in pain today and you're just kind of living from this place of like, I just don't want to move. I just want to try to avoid the pain as much as possible. If I, can just, if I can just stay still and just exist until this is over, I can just get through this, that's fine. I just want to avoid the pain. Or maybe you're, you're, you're paralyzed today and you just find yourself feeling numb, numb to the world, numb to, to, to everything. It just feels like you're kind of dead inside. I don't know if one of those things defines you or if it's something else, but I, I know this. Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. That's what he came to do. So do you want to be healed? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. And I wanna encourage you, please don't check out. Please don't check out. We're not done. This is not the time to, to tune out. In fact, this may be the moment you've been waiting for, where you step out in faith and obedience 
And on the other side of, of you getting up and taking up your mat and walking and, and being willing to say, I'm gonna step out in faith is, is the healing that you need. Maybe you're here today and you, you like so I've been, as I've been preaching, you're going, man, there's a thing. There's this moment and that's, that's the moment for me. That was said, that was done, that hurt happened. I, I, I keep coming back to this. I feel like I can't move past this thing. It hurts me so bad. I just can't move past it. I believe God wants to heal you today. I believe in a miracle working God who can set you free. It's what he came to do. And, and I believe that on the other side of your willingness to get up and partner with these people and do something that seems so simple. You know, the things that God invited this guy to do were pretty simple. But on the other side of the simple obedience was freedom. What if on the other side of, of simple obedience to come down and pray with someone and partner with someone in faith over that issue, what if on the other side of that is you dancing away healed? Is you dancing away free? Is your life being completely radically changed forever. I believe that's possible today. So if that's you today, I wanna to encourage you, don't leave without receiving prayer today. Don't leave bound. Don't leave attached to something that keeps pulling you back. Don't let the devil lead you that way. God wants to set you free. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with, with physical pain in your body. Like you're like this guy, you've got an issue, a sickness in your body. I believe Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. If he healed anyone, he can heal you. And he took stripes on his back so that you could be healed. And we, we would love to pray with you for that. Maybe you're dealing with something else. Whatever it is, like we say here at New Song, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And I really wanna encourage you, don't, don't, don't move past this moment. Don't miss out on the call of Jesus to set you free. Would you stand with me? We're gonna go back into a time of worship. And if that's you and you, you feel like God's calling you, you, you know, like as I'm talking, you keep coming back to a moment, you know that there's something there and you wanna be set free. I wanna encourage you, start making your way down to the altars to be prayed for. We wanna pray with you. We wanna partner with you in faith. We had the altars have been full all weekend. We wanna pray with you. We believe God's gonna do something miraculous in your life. We truly believe that. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord God. I thank you for those that are here today that maybe they're stuck in a hurt. Maybe they're stuck in a sin. Maybe they're stuck in a mistake that they made. Maybe they're stuck in a memory that they can't move past. Maybe they're, they're stuck in a pattern that, that was a, a family pattern, whatever it may be, Lord God. I believe that you are a God who is all powerful. I believe in a God who can set people free. And I pray, Lord God, you came to set the captives free. That those who are captive, those who can't move on, Lord, you set them free today. Lord, we, we ask you to move in miracles. Church, would you help me intercede for those who are down here right now? Lord, we thank you, God, for bringing deliverance and freedom. Lord, we know that they're down here because they got something going on. And Lord, we partner with them in prayer. We thank you, Lord God, that you're a good God, that you love them, you wanna help them, you wanna heal them. We thank you for what you're gonna do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.